Support for the South Carolina lead is made possible in part by Columbia Metropolitan Airport. For more information, flycae.com. Hello and welcome to the South Carolina lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on February 11th, 2022 from James Island. I'm at my parents' house. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. In this episode, we hear from AP Politics reporter Meg Kennard about the latest twist in campaign 2022. The Senate passed the medical marijuana bill, and we have reaction from lawmakers and look at its future. We also look at election-related bills moving in the statehouse. We have a brief business section that features comments from USC's Dr. Joey Von Nessen about the economy and new inflation data. And since it's such a huge episode, we had to cut medical. We apologize for the inconvenience. Also, we want to hear your stories. That's why we have a voicemail box set up to hear from you guys about life during these, um, you know, improving times, difficult times, however you want to classify it. Uh, let us know how you're doing by calling 803-563-7169. We love hearing from you guys. So leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on. We're asking people about any long COVID symptoms they're experiencing, any economic situations they're experiencing, good or bad. We want to hear from you about how things are affecting you. You know, as we've reported on several different things going on, let us know. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 16,136 total deaths, and currently there are 1,431,047 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of February 10th at 4 p.m. And due to data issues at DHEC, we had to use Thursday's numbers instead of Friday's because they were not available at the time of the recording. And yes, even though cases are dropping, we are still in high transmission territory. So be safe out there, folks. Our current percent positive is 13.8%. There are 1,669 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19. 336 are in intensive care and 191 are in ventilators. Currently, 53.4% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. Okay, all right, saddle down, folks. We're starting politics with a look back, way back to Tuesday's pod, when we discussed first congressional district Republican Nancy Mace getting endorsed by former Governor Nikki Haley. The day after that, Katie Arrington, who defeated 2018 incumbent Mark Sanford to become the Republican nominee, and then lost to Democrat Joe Cunningham by 1.4 points, well, Katie Arrington, she announced that she is back and she is challenging incumbent Nancy Mace for the nomination. After the announcement Tuesday, Mace tweeted, bring it on. Oh, it's already been broughten because then former President Donald Trump gave his endorsement of Arrington Wednesday night. Y'all, the ladies of the first congressional Republican primary are telling the gentlemen of the seventh congressional Republican primary to, quote, hold their beer. Well, no one said that, but I'm saying that. Now, we will probably all need a beer or two over the next few months. Midterms, right? <laughs> right? But before we start drinking, I decided to speak with our friend, AP Politics reporter Meg Kennard, about all this campaign trail action that exploded this week. There have been a lot of developments, so try to keep up. First off, we had an endorsement 
from former Governor Nikki Haley coming out in support of Congresswoman Mace. That was something that had kind of been rumored was going to be in the works. But for anybody who remembers the relationship between those two that dates back quite a while, it was of note. Um, Certainly something for uh, the former governor to be wading into in her home state, something that we're all going to be paying attention to. And then subsequent to that, another expected move. We had Katie Arrington, former state lawmaker here in South Carolina, who made a run for the seat in 2018, famously knocking off then Congressman Mark Sanford from the GOP primary, formally announcing that she was entering this year's GOP primary. This is not a rematch, really, but it is certainly some familiar characters that all of us who have been looking at the first and familiar with South Carolina politics in general recognize. Then after that, another expected move, former President Donald Trump gave his official endorsement to Katie Arrington. That was something that had been reported last week, even before she was an official candidate, but he came out this past Wednesday saying that he wasn't gonna be endorsing Nancy Mace again as he did in 2020, but he was coming out in support of her primary opponent. So there've been a lot of developments, a lot of tea leaves that we can read into, but it has certainly been a busy race to cover this particular week. And what do you think, uh, why all of a sudden, Meg, what, what's the big push here? Why did this all happen You know, within days of each other? You know, we saw Nikki Haley endorse Mace, and we saw Arrington jump in the race, and we saw Trump endorse, like you said, all these things happening just this week alone. Just really explosive growth right now when we're talking about these primary races. This is starting to be that time of year when people are paying attention to these primaries. We don't have elections until June. Filing doesn't even open until next month. So a lot of official markers that we need to cross. But certainly in this particular race, this is something that has been on the radar for political watchers for quite a while. It was in November that former President Trump came out and said that he was not going to be supporting Nancy Mace and pretty much soliciting anyone who would meet his markers um, to come out and challenge her and committing to giving his support to somebody he felt would be a good challenger to her in a GOP primary. So it, you know, if you look at all of that, it kind of makes sense that this is the time frame that we would see that happening. The Mm -hmm. former president has been making endorsements in a lot of different races around the country. And for him to be making a statement to putting his flag down in two separate South Carolina congressional races right now, this is making it all start to heat up and therefore we'll be expecting even more moves to come in the next couple of months. Can't wait for that. Of course, you'll be covering. But I want to ask you, obviously, that this is a head to head between Mace and Arrington right now. But talk to us about the proxy war happening below the surface here with Nikki Haley versus Donald Trump. It's pretty easy from a surface level for those of us who cover politics to say, okay, we're thinking about 2024. We're thinking about potential GOP presidential candidates, one of whom could be Nikki Haley, one of whom could be former President Trump, who has yet to really make clear what his plans are. So on the surface level, it's easy to say, okay, here is a matchup in a very crucial early voting state between two Republicans who already have very high name ID, both here and nationally. But underneath that, a lot of the folks that I'm talking to, frankly, in several different political camps, are saying that it's a little bit deeper than that, that this is the former president's way to be making these moves in the first and and also in different districts around the country to try to, in the 2022 elections, 
elect candidates who will be forming more of a mindset in Congress and specifically here in the House of Representatives that he would support. So it's sort of a a preliminary move to the 2024 presidential race, but it's also underneath that the president's former president's attempt to be forming a Congress that more aligns with some of his viewpoints. So again, that's a lot of tea leaves and a lot of different levels. Um, and it's it's certainly going to be a test to see how much influence the former president has among first district voters. But it's it's easy to say this is just a prelude to 2024, but there's a couple different steps to go through before we can really get to that part. So there's so much news going on and we are just starting our continuing coverage of campaign 2022. But let's jump back to the statehouse where lawmakers were actually working this week. A key moment following seven years of work and days of debate took place Wednesday evening in the state Senate. The vote on Buford Republican Senator Tom Davis's conservative medical marijuana bill. The vote came after marathon sessions with lawmakers hashing out minor details on the bill that will allow folks with specific illnesses verified by a doctor to obtain oil for vaporizing and THC edibles for two weeks at a time. Even some perceived opponents of the bill voted for it. That would make South Carolina the 38th state to legalize the drug for medical purposes, despite pushback from law enforcement and other groups. Here's Anderson Republican Senator Richard Cash. If we pass this bill, it doesn't mean that a year from now, this same group of people is going to come back and pass recreational marijuana. And and you cannot have a ballot initiative to make marijuana recreationally legal in this state. It'll have to go through the chambers and be signed by a governor. And I, and I can just say this, I will never support uh, legalizing the recreational use of marijuana. The bill passed 28 to 15, and Cash was one of 17 Republicans who supported the bill. Ten opposed it, along with five Democrats. The vote surprised Tom Davis. Actually, there's a, a few more senators for the bill than I thought. I mean, th- there were some um, that kind of kept their powder dry. As they said, they were sitting in the, in the Senate and listening to arguments back and forth. And no matter how many times I went up to them and asked them how they were leaning, they would say, I'm listening and taking notes. And it turns out that they were. And I was very pleasantly surprised, for instance, at the end of the day, to see the majority leader, Shane Massey, vote yes. Uh, to see Sean Bennett in the Low Country um, in Dorchester vote yes. Uh, Richard Cash, who's probably one of the most socially conservative members in the state Senate, vote yes. What that says to me is that people were engaged, they were listening, they were challenging their, their assumptions and their preconceived notions of things. And again, I think it really showed the Senate at its best. Dorchester Republican Senator Sean Bennett took to the Senate well Wednesday evening, moments before the vote, to explain why he was backing the bill, expressing the sentiments that many of his fellow Republicans agreed with. Folks, we've got in this state thousands of people that are dealing with a substance abuse problem with opioids that we can never understand. Some of us can understand it because they have family members that that went through it. Others will never understand it. This entire nation has that problem. I hope and pray that this is part of the solution. If it's not, we gave it a shot. But I hope that some people get some help and the help that they need. And I hope we haven't created something that we're going to look back on as a Frankenstein's monster and have to fix. But I'm ready to do that if we have to. Senator Davis was optimistic Wednesday night about the bill's future in the House, where a lot of pushback is expected. Here's Davis on the bill's future. 
Well, I guess a, a lot of that depends on the House. They have their own processes. They have their own rules and procedures. I'll certainly offer myself as a resource to testify in subcommittee as to, you know, how we arrived at the language in the bill, why we arrived at the language in the bill, uh, what were the things that we considered, how did we arrive at the list of qualifying conditions, how did we arrive at how a physician authorizes, why did we put pharmacists in charge of dispensing, and I'm prepared to answer those technical questions. Um, but I would emphasize that the House of Representatives over the years has taken up medical marijuana bills in the three committee, uh, which is where my understanding is the bill will be assigned. So it's not brand new to them. Um, they, they've taken this up for, before. This is the first time they'll have a finished work product from the Senate to work with. Um, and I look forward to the process moving through the House, and I'll offer myself up as a resource and in whatever way they feel is productive. The 3M committee, Davis mentioned, is the Medical, Military, Public, and Municipal Affairs Committee. That's why we say 3M for short. It's chaired by Democrat Leon Howard, the only Democrat to chair committee in the Republican-controlled House. The committee doesn't handle many consequential bills and is also a bit of a Republican backwater where misbehaving Republicans like Jonathan Hill and Vic Dabney get posted. So it should get out of 3M and onto the floor for debate and a vote after the budget moves through the chamber in mid-March. Again, this bill faces challenges by conservative Republicans and Democrats alike. Law enforcement, the Palmetto Family Council, and the state Republican Party have serious objections to the bill in fear especially that it will lead to eventual recreational legalization. But to have someone like Anderson Senator Richard Cash, who you just heard from, vote for the bill, as well as the Republican Majority Leader Shane Massey, well, that says a lot. But now let's move on to some House action. The House did amend and return to the Senate a bill dealing with election laws, including the addition of audits for each election, eliminating ballot drop boxes, requiring all candidates to pay a filing fee, and removing Senate language requiring the chamber's confirmation of the governor's appointed election commission director. This bill was passed without any fiscal analysis statement to the Senate, which previously amended it. The bill is in the Senate Judiciary Committee. We're going to stick with the House here for a minute and continue looking at election bills. I sat in on the first subcommittee hearing on House Speaker Jay Lucas's so-called election integrity bill, H-4919. We talked about this on Tuesday, but the bill limits candidates to registering with one party per election and tightens up absentee voting eligibility, identity requirements, and early voting timeframes. It ends in-person absentee voting, which currently is up to 45 days before an election, and makes all absentee voting mail-based. Now, it does create 12 days of early voting before the election and requires the formation of in-person voting locations based on a formula of either registered voters or county square miles, whichever is higher but can't exceed seven locations. Absentee ballots will require the witness signature and also an address and printed name for verification. Absentee ballots will also require identification card numbers from a license, voter ID, or other accepted forms of ID to be written on the ballot. Lynn Teague with the League of Women Voters of South Carolina was one of several people who testified about some concerns with the bill. As always, really love the idea of no excuse early voting. It's convenient. We, we now have interesting statistical studies that show that in-person early voting does not give a partisan advantage to any party. Uh, it doesn't even reliably increase turnout, but it does make life much more convenient for the busy people in our world today. So we think no excuse early voting is a very good thing, and we appreciate that this bill addresses that. The voter ID. Uh, we, we don't see how they can be verified if it's a military ID, if it's a passport number, unless you ask the voter who's applied for an absentee ballot to show up in person. Uh, you don't have access to those databases. Now, the, on the other hand, Texas has implemented a system that, that they do try to verify, and it's worked so badly that they're throwing out 20 to 50 percent 
of their applications for absentee ballots. Uh, they've given people a few choices about what kind of ID they would use, but if it isn't the one they gave when they registered to vote, their application's rejected. People are seeing their applications rejected several times. So if it's decided that there must be an ID number there, we believe it needs to be designed a lot more carefully with respect to what, what's, what do you really expect to have happen here. And if there is a decision to require that they be verified somehow, that raises fiscal issues. Subcommittee Chairman Jay Jordan took notes on Teague's concerns, as well as those raised by Charleston County Elections Director Isaac Kramer, especially when it comes to limiting early polling places from being within 10 miles of each other, which would present issues for urban areas like Charleston. Here's Kramer explaining what would happen. So in Charleston, we have West Ashley, North Charleston, James Island, Johns Island, uh, downtown Mount Pleasant as being huge hubs, but we won't be able to put a location anywhere in those areas. The only place we would be able to do is the further part of James Island toward Folly Beach. And then we do one in Hollywood. So my recommendation um, would be to follow with the speaker. He put out in House Bill 3444. It's the same language I would like to use for the county election commissions, because you trust us to conduct elections. So this, and I would read, and I can send this to you. I think uh, Conway and Greenville sent this. Uh, I think Wanda uh, emailed you. Uh, but it says, in choosing early voting locations, each county board of elections must consider geographic and demographic factors and historical voter turnout to assure to the greatest extent possible all segments of the population have equal access to the vote. So this mirrors exactly what the speaker put out in 3444 with choosing the state election commission director. We believe it is good language to also use for early voting locations. Now, only testimony was taken on the bill, and changes to it are expected. Senator Massey, who hasn't read up on the bill yet, said it could be a priority if it got to the Senate. I think it could be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, there's a lot of interest on the Senate side to do something election-related, um, and, and especially to, to fill in where some of the, like, again, I think our laws are pretty strong, but there are some areas that we probably need to work on. But with the, with the elections coming up, I think, Strengthening the absentee process and allowing for an early voting process is something that's going to get some attention. So, and because the election hopefully is coming up in June, yeah, do we, then, do we then know? that's something that you're going to have to have on a priority basis if you're going to get it done. And on the way out, we have a brief, brief Supreme Court Watch update. Supreme Court Watch 2022. Senator Lindsey Graham was quoted in a recent New York Times piece saying, quote, I am confident that if Michelle Childs was chosen and did well at the hearings, which I think she would, that 60 votes plus would be in play. So that's a big, big little carrot there to dangle in front of President Joe Biden, who met with Senate Judiciary Democrats at the White House Thursday afternoon. Things are happening. We'll find out more. We'll let you know. Have you heard about inflation? You haven't? Well, let me tell you, at, well, no, actually, I'm going to have University of South Carolina research economist Dr. Joey Von Nessen break down the latest inflation data, which pushed prices to their highest in 40 years. That's older than me. 
moving up to an annualized rate of 7.5% and creeping up 0.6% month over month. Here's Joey on This Week in South Carolina. Well, fundamentally, this is a reflection of the fact that we are still in a transition from a COVID economy to a post-COVID economy. And that transition is going to take time and take much of 2022 to, to resolve. Because basically, if we look at the source of this inflation, it's coming from a mismatch of supply and demand. And we can see that very clearly in the data. If we look at consumer demand overall, consumer spending, it's up about 11 percent compared to where we were just before the pandemic began in February of 2020. But on the labor market side, we see employment levels that are still down nationally, roughly 2 percent compared to where they were in February of 2020. So that's a big mismatch between supply and demand. And of course, the labor shortage is a major reason why we're seeing supply chain disruptions in many markets. And that disruption is what's fueling this high level of inflation. And as we move into 2022, that's going to be on the forefront of the Fed's uh, policy decisions is how do we regulate inflation, pull it back down without softening the economic growth that we're seeing and the great recovery that we've seen over the last 18 months. Joey, with that, how does the Fed navigate that? Obviously, they've talked about uh, incrementally raising rates, at least committed to maybe three rate increases this year alone. Uh, should they have started increasing rates before this, or do you see that tactic as being appropriate? Where, how, do, how do they walk this tightrope, essentially? Well, there's no question that it's appropriate now for them to begin raising rates. And and yes, I think between three and four rates, depending on the the, the specific meeting that you that you look at for their minutes, but certainly multiple rate increases this year. I think the reason they've been so hesitant and have waited so long is because of these variants that have come through these covid variants and the concern about how they may slow the economic recovery. Fortunately, the jobs numbers that we've seen come out over the last several weeks indicate that that hasn't been the case with Omicron. We've seen very strong uh, employment gains in December and January. So we're off to a great start in 2022. So this high inflation uh, metric that has come out this past week, coupled with the strong jobs numbers, I think reinforces that we're going to see more aggressive interest rate hikes in 2022. Joey, when we pair all that together, you know, we're talking about job increases here, job gains, uh, wage increases that, of course, are getting wiped out because of inflation going up so high. But can you talk about the stickiness of this inflation right now? When we look at you know wage growth going up as well as inflation, does that mean that things are going to stay high longer than anticipated? Yes, I think that as we move into 2022, there are several things going on. Number one, we will see rate increases from, from the Fed. That will have an effect on inflation. And also, we're likely to see demand begin to pull back a bit because part of the surge in demand, that 11% increase in consumer spending I alluded to, part of that was due to the fiscal stimulus. So it was a combination of the fact that uh, we've seen more overall consumer spending in general as people have gone back to work, coupled with the stimulus checks and enhanced unemployment benefits and uh, many tax credits, all different parts of the CARES Act where we've seen dollars that have been spent uh, directly with or, or provided directly to American households to be spent. And so when you put those two together, a strong labor market and strong fiscal stimulus, then you get high levels of demand. And so that stimulus will begin to wane in 2022. We're already seeing disposable income levels for Americans get back closer to where they were before the pandemic began. So we combine a pullback in demand with higher interest rates, and that should begin to uh, lead to a, a reduced inflation rate as we move 
further and further into 2022. But do we get back to 2% inflation, which is the Fed's target by the end of this year? Uh, at this point, I think that's unlikely. So it kind of skews a little bit of your forecast for this year. Obviously, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of justify or not justify, but look at where things are, you know, a year out, but uh, two months into this year so far, how do you see that at your forecast, which you make every year playing out so far with, with these latest data? Well, we still see 2022 looking very good for the U.S. and for, for South Carolina. At, at a national level, we expect that GDP growth will pull back. So we'll, we'll, we will see some retraction in demand. So we're estimating about 4% GDP growth for the year for 2022, down from about 6% in 2021. And in South Carolina, we'll see a similar story where we see strong growth this year, but probably not quite as strong as in 2021. So get ready for some rate increases, folks. But again, like Joey said, it's a fine line to walk when it comes to raising interest rates to restrain inflation, but not too much that it hurts growth. Welcome to the wind down section. It's our little break from the news. You know what we do. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear from you. Tell us your stories. Give us your details. <laughs> What's us... your mom's maiden name? <laughs> what all, street all did you need... grow up on? <laughs> <laughs> the last four your social security number and your mother's maiden name. And then you what can leave us a message. name? Yeah. 803-563-7169. Also, what street did you grow up on? <laughs> hmm. Just Normal wondering. question. Normal stuff. Uh, you know, you don't need an all caps password or any special characters, just a nice little message to leave us so we can talk mm. about it during our wind down. We've been answering many of life's biggest questions like ranch on pizza, Crocs, and more. Denim. Denim. <laughs> Denim. <laughs> Denim. <laughs> oh, it's Super Bowl weekend, folks. Let us know how you're celebrating. If anyone's pointing for any teams, I mean, I don't really. I got, Let us know what squares you got, okay? Yeah. What squares you got <laughs> if you win on the in the yeah. quarters. Yeah, right? let us know. And we're not talking about Wordle scores either, or whatever. I'm uh, all green, as they say. <laughs> I get it first guess every time. <laughs> uh, this guy right here, folks, you're going to want to follow his separate podcast for all of his hacks, tips, and tricks. Yes, yes. Uh, Wordle people hate me for this one Oh, Wordle trick. people hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Lawyers and judges hate this guy. Anyway, anyway Gavin, sorry, uh, <laughs> we, really, we, we do tangent. have a call. We got a great okay. call. You've been asking about this. And okay. this person, uh, we did ask them to call in earlier because they called and they hung up. And so uh, they sh they called back in. It's great. Love it. So uh, love it. Do and, it. Uh, really spells out her name in this one. It's great. So uh, let's go. Great. Great. Hey, Gavin and A.T., long-time listener, first-time caller, Glow. That's Golf Lima Oscar, since I know you elder millennials are a little hard of hearing. Um, I identify as a middle millennial who lives and works around the upstate. Um, I'm sorry for those Saturday night messages a few weeks back. I was distraught over the Packers losing, and I was trying to uh, go through that loss with A.T. and the Eagles losing, but, you know, it just didn't work out. It, I would say that a delete and retry button on your voicemail box would be really nice. Uh, not only do I love pizza, but I also love to eat ranch with my pizza, and I also love to have pineapple on my pizza. Um, I did have COVID back in October 2020, so obviously this is before the vaccine came out. Uh, I had long COVID symptoms all the way until this past November when I got my booster shot. 
Um, those symptoms were primarily anxiety, and I did not have a sense of smell. I had no sense of smell until I got the first vaccine shot, and then uh, my sense of smell didn't completely come back until that booster shot. So, you know, if you get COVID and you didn't want to get your vaccine, I'm a big advocate for it. It made my lung symptoms go away. Uh, the underrated COVID symptom, I would have to say, though, I wish more people talked about it, are the crazy dreams. I don't know about you guys, but when I had COVID, it, I just had absolutely crazy dreams. So, AT, if you have any crazy dreams to share, um, I would love to hear them. So, hope you're feeling better. Uh, thank you guys for taking my call, and I look forward to listening. Hey, Glow, a middle millennial. Love to hear from you. Uh, ranch and pineapple. Whoa, love it. That's We got that's, it all right there. A, that's check, a check, combo check. right there. Yeah, that, that's every <laughs> wow. box. I will try that when we do our ranch pizza excursion. I will do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hate to hear about the long COVID situation that she was experiencing. You know, not getting her senses all the way back until that booster shot. That's wild. That's, the, a, that's a long time. Yeah, and the crazy dreams. That sounds terrifying. I mean, I've been, I've I've been trying to track my dreams since I got your call, Glow. Mm. And I'm I can't say that I've experienced anything uh, drastic or anything outside the norm. Maybe uh, my dreams are already constantly nightmares. Who oh. knows? But um, <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be terrifying I, if you had a normal dream. Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing markedly different than the than the, the what's the typical normal. screaming. And yeah, just you know, night terrors and seeing my sleep paralysis demon all the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if you have sleep paralysis, someone. I'm not saying Glodas, but if you do, if you're listening, please call us. I would be very interested to hear about sleep paralysis. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, it does. Uh, I, even though I just made a joke about it, I, I know. I, well, we you know we're we're here to help. I we're here to work through and process things. Mm-hmm. That's what we're here mm-hmm. for. Like Glow mm-hmm. was saying, she mm-hmm. wanted to call. During, she was in the depths of it with that Green Bay Packer loss. But uh, oh, it's tough. Yeah, but I mean, I I feel bad for you over there, Glow, because mm-hmm. like the Packers, they blew it. You know, the Eagles didn't blow it. They had no shot ever. Mm. So. I could deal with that a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Packers, they blew it, but Aaron Rodgers won MVP. Gavin's favorite head of hair in the <laughs> NFL. Aaron Rodgers won MVP last night. So, Oh, there we go. Yeah. Discl- do we need to put a disclaimer here since we mentioned Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Our I podcast think, doesn't require so. disclaimers. Thank God. No. Um, but yes. thank you for calling us, Galo. We really appreciate it. And uh, really hope you uphold all the way through there with all those weird things happening oh at but you this is kind of tying into you a little bit this this ties in yeah that's why we played your your calls because it, basically after our we recorded last monday i woke up the next day and i've completely lost my smell and taste Ugh. so i i am living in a personal hell because yes. i will say that i was a um i was a very accomplished taster and smeller yeah the taste maker i would always I was a say. taste maker i, I mean i had my finger on the pulse People know it. They the, listen. They know. They, they know how knows. critical you are. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, everything just feels like a mush and is indiscernible in taste. So it's it's really terrible. Oh, um, God. Yeah. It, it, it's, well, welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel more like Gavin here. I, but I, I'm never hungry anymore. Now I'm just oh, never hungry. Jealous. It's weird. It this stinks. Is, I've, is, I've lost five pounds oh. in, this, in a week. Okay. Um, That's, it's a nightmare. Mm. If I could have been eating it, I, I mean, like, I, I don't even want to eat pizza anymore just because yeah, I, I wouldn't be able it. to taste it, you know? Mm. Really, really sad. I, I I woke up and I thought I couldn't smell. And so I went downstairs and I grabbed a bottle of fish sauce mm-hmm. and I opened it up oh, yeah. and tried to smell that, that fishy fish sauce. And I could just smell nothing. So you just and, drank uh, it. I've been, I, I, 
I could drink it. It wouldn't matter. I think Caitlin would be worried. She'd be like, I don't, why did I don't you know do that again? Would. Well, she can smell and taste. She's she like, can. oh, God. Smell like a wharf. <laughs> she keeps trying to ask me what I want for dinner, and I'm like, Caitlin, you, I just... You're just rubbing it in, babe. You're really hurting I, the man I right got, now. I got no opinion on this. Like, <laughs> oh, it gosh. doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, this is just shaking me to my core hearing this about you. Because yeah, so that was your biggest fear, terrible. and it's unfortunately coming true. You know, yeah. and this is and this is happening a week after like your worst symptoms too. That's what doesn't make any sense. Like normally, it's your first thing where you mm-hmm. where you're like, hmm, I don't think I can taste. Oh, I'm about to be very sick. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, I got over it basically. And then it just snuck up out of nowhere. It's really sad. It yeah. really stinks. I'm actually really depressed about it. But I will persevere. Okay, let's move here on. I am. <laughs> here I am talking to you people. But yeah. I. I we're here to work through things at but that's enough of that sad talk (laughs) no but it's okay if anyone had if anyone lost their smell or taste for Mm -hmm. a long time like call in give me any tips or tricks like what did you do to cope with it what did you do to make it uh more tolerable because uh it sucks right now give at some hope folks (laughs) give them some love right now because now i'm the definitive taste maker of the podcast and while that is a heavy cross to bear I can't do it alone. <laughs> no. I can't do it alone. <laughs> no. It's tough. It's tough, but uh, I mean, yeah. you're going to have to do it from here on. It's on you. It's okay. So. All right. You know, uh, we're getting older. We're getting wiser, stronger. <laughs> I'm here for it. It's 2022. I can do this, Pa. I'm sorry. 18. Papa, Papa. We're anyway. not going to lose the farm. And you sing. be yourself. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Gavin, take it out. That's yeah, enough of this. Take it out. Say goodbye to the folks. Have a quickly. good weekend. Taste all, right, all those folks. tastes. Smell all those smells. <laughs> Enjoy your taste and smell if you have it still. And uh, leave us a voicemail like Glow did. Let us know what's going on. 803-563-7169. We love hearing from you guys. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. And stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. You're like, oh, that's great for the end. Oh, I love this. I'm going to be putting this whole bit at the end. You're like, I'm going to edit this whole thing together. People are going to love it.